So welcome back, folks. The guest I have the honor of speaking today is Maggie Judge. Maggie's an incredible model, writer, content creator, actress, co-founder of Metopolis, and I'm sure her proudest achievement of being a great mom to four beautiful and amazing daughters. So Maggie, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. That was a great introduction. I love I it. I'm have it. you introduce me in every room I walk into. It's got to hire me. I'm really low. Yeah. I'm, I'm no low expectations. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. So I got to say, before we get started, I just rambled off different hats you wear, different roles you play. So behind every superwoman, there's amazing support cast that support you. So could you just talk a little bit about that, how you're able to juggle so many things, but do it so high a level of achievement? Yeah, I think you're as strong as the people that you put around you, you know, and I'm really blessed to have my four amazing daughters, you know, we're a team, I'm a single mom, all the same baby daddy, no judgment to anybody who doesn't, but you know, I was married for 10 years. And, you know, they're just amazing kids and everything I do, I do for them. That keeps me going on some of the tougher days, but I'm blessed to have two of the greatest friends in the history of all friends who are always there to support me and help guide me and all of the people that I've met since then that have come into my life. I am extremely blessed for everybody that has been part of this journey with me, good and bad, because, mm -hmm. you know, I need the bad stuff too. That helps you recognize the good stuff and you learn a lot when things are bad. So it's been a great journey. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you have that mindset of, you know, you have bad experiences, but you also learn from them and then you're able to change those people out to be able to support you better. A hundred percent. And you know, it's, it's really hard sometimes in that moment to see it as a blessing, but every time you look back in hindsight to all these moments, it's, I'm glad that they're not there. Mm -hmm. I'm glad Absolutely. that, you know, that happened and I could move on and it really did open the door for some more amazing things to happen. Absolutely. And I gotta ask, what was your inspiration, your aha moment to starting Minneapolis? I mean, I love the idea. I love the concept of it. It's super great. Part of it was, and there's two sides to that story, because I came in about a year and a half into development on this project. And so, but again, being a single woman. So when I, when I divorced, the last time I was single, there wasn't even texting. The world had changed. Yeah, I just aged myself. <laughs> the world is such a, a super crazy place. And the dating world. And so there's all this swiping and talking. And, you know, it's been on and off for seven years. And it's just awful, you know? And so just sitting there and I'm like, it's, I'm an extremely person full of depth. I, I don't do surface very well. I love mm. connecting with people. I want to know your why I, I want to jump inside your soul. And so you don't get that when you're swiping and you just have, you know, four pictures and two sentences. And it's like, you want me to start a conversation up about this? And, you know, so that kind of came up with the idea of, something a little different than Metopolis. Um, but then I met Lisa. And so Lisa is one of the co-founders and the CEO of Metopolis. Outside of all those other things I do, I run my own consulting business. So I help small startups learn the digital marketing world, mm -hmm. um, content creation, training, things like that. And so I came on as a consultant and then in true Maggie fashion, had a million ideas. I love the project from the gut go. It was absolutely <laughs> amazing. And I was so excited. I remember when I went onto the site to just first like 
look at it and really I went in there to rip it apart I was like it's gonna be awful and we're gonna change everything no I really wasn't like that but um just to kind of get those ideas flowing I forgot that I was even working I got lost in there for like three hours just like <laughs> chatting with people and going through everything and so mm-hmm. yeah after about like two weeks I think it was two weeks um Lisa and I talked and she's like Maggie tell me what I need to do to bring you on as partner wow. and so I came on as partner within the company and I run and their spokesperson and basically running business development. Man, that's insane. Coming off as a consultant and then just putting so much value into the company that they just want you to as a co-founder. That's, that's amazing. You hit on such a great point. The day and age we live now, it's swiping and trying to understand if this person might be a good fit from our phone, which I think is impossible to do. Even if they post a, a page essay about themselves, it's hard to get that depth as you spoke about. And I think there's a certain need for relationship coaches nowadays to be able to help that and connect that bridge. So in your experience, why and when should one reach out to find a relationship coach to work with? And what do you think makes a good relationship coach versus a great one? No, I think that's a really great question. I think that from the moment we're born, we should seek therapy in some way, shape or form, you know, mm-hmm. being alive is hard, right? We all, <laughs> uh, you know, we're balancing all these issues. And I think that, you know, that's something that they don't teach you when you're growing up is that, You know, when you meet a person and you fall in love in the movies, you meet and you fall in love, but all of your issues have already been dealt with. And then you meet and everything's perfect forever. And it's so not true because you have life coming at you and it's, you know, you're this person over here trying to be the best you and healing all your past wounds. And then you have a partner who's trying to do the same. And then you throw kids into the mix and you're trying to make sure that those kids are the best versions of themselves. And it's a lot. And there's, there's not a lot of avenues out there to sort of, yes, there's some books and things, but you don't ever really have someone to talk to except our friends who are dealing with all the same things that we are. So they don't always have like the best advice. And that's how we came up with the coaching aspect was, to be able to have an extremely affordable way to help start healing your wounds. And it's not just, we have all coaches for everything. So dating, life coaches, we have makeup specialists, you know, to kind of come in there and help you like highlight your best beauties. Like, I mean, really anything that you could imagine, we have somebody on there representing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it's just, it makes it fun and you can do things with your, with your different friends. I'm a big fan of, of, of therapy. I think it's great. And I think everyone should do it. And nowadays we can't afford it. It's $150 yeah. if you have insurance to go and, you know, you got to take time out and this is at your fingertips, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So Man, yeah, I think that's super important. I like the fact that it's not just relationship coaching. There's different aspects to it that encompasses relationship as a whole. So I like the fact that there's makeup coaches, different things like that to help people uh, evaluate their game per se, you know, as a whole. Yeah, and it ties into that self-esteem. So it's not like, hey, ladies, let's cover your faces in makeup (laughs) so we can't see who you are. It's highlighting who that true beautiful person is and a lot of us too especially as we as we get older you know we're divorced and you're trying to learn how to love yourself and honestly you can never truly love another person until you really love yourself and we all love feeling beautiful we all love feeling amazing and we want to do what we can and for some people that's knowing how to put on makeup properly mm-hmm. you know and little things like that so it's not like it's not the superficial aspect of makeup and dressing but how to like 
well, you know, bring it yeah. out. And that's where that plus size modeling comes in from is yeah. knowing how to like showcase everything that's great. We're all perfect the way that we are and all of our different individualities. And it's bringing that to life and highlighting it. Because you have such profound knowledge of this, I feel like helping with Vidanopolis, have you seen or did anything surprise you from the user's feedback they got or any concerns from hearing the users of Minopolis? Were you able to find a pattern or something that surprised you about relationship? Yeah, you know, the really beautiful part of the site is that it's not just a, it's also not just a dating app. It's our own social media. Mm-hmm. So there's different interests. So as you go on and you, and you click whatever interests you're, you're into, my favorite one is the positive thinking. That one gets a lot of traction and I love going on there. And so users share posts, coaches will share posts and you start the conversation. And the great thing that's come from that is you see the beauty in it. Nobody's attacking anybody. It's not like social media, like on Facebook or something where everybody's scrolling and everyone's got political opinions on everything. It's really nice because that feedback that we've gotten from everybody is that they've actually started to make friends. So from that feedback, we decided to add a feature, which is our matchmaker feature. Mm. So let's say, you know, we're in a room and we're chatting and I'm like, oh my gosh, you actually would match perfectly with this guy that I was in another group with. Let me connect you two. And so now one of the features that we're adding on on our next build out is a a match me button. So you can go to somebody's profile, click match me, and then you select the person's name that you want to match them with. And now you have a better connection because I can say, hey, you guys both love German Shepherds and you go crazy over the German (laughs) Shepherds and you talk about them. I think you guys would be perfect together. Here you go, start talking. So it kind of, it just really takes all that pressure off. And that came from user feedback. Wow. Pretty amazing. I think that's product 101, right? Listening to feedback and they're just making it happen. And I'm curious, when you first went to work for as a consultant, identify process improvement, what were the first things you were thinking about of making improvement or what are the first things you look for in a company when you go in to help consult and find improvement areas? That's a really great question. You're so good. Um, (laughs) I always ask for the money. That's one of the first things I like to see is how much money have you already spent on marketing? Marketers are very good at marketing themselves into pretending like you need them more than you really do. Mm -hmm. Um, and they throw lots of buzzwords at you and I'm a very grassroots kind of person. And the really sad thing is, um, and now when I come into like startups, like these are like true, true startups. I mean, we're still pre-seed maybe we've had somebody, but it's, it's still pure chaos, which I love the chaos part of it. I love, you know, organizing the chaos. Most of the time, so much money is lost. And when you are, I mean, money is always incredibly important, but when you only get such a small amount of it, if you have an investor that's just giving you $100,000 and you've just spent $30,000 on marketing that does nothing for you, yeah, that's awful. And the thing that, you know, a lot of these companies do is they're like, we'll brand you. So they build you a website and they give you a logo and then they're like, here you go. That's not branding. Anyone can match colors. Like branding is a feeling. Everything, like when I come to your website, when I come to your LinkedIn, whatever it is, I should have that same feeling. It's mm-hmm. that it's that feeling. And so it's more so about like providing that education also. Um, cause I don't know if I'll grow into the companies and stay with them. I love them and we're there, but nobody knows where the future is, but it's making right. sure that these companies are these CEOs who wear 35 different hats 
fully understand the power so that it gives them more tools when hiring, you know, anybody on the marketing team, especially like a CMO, who to really look for and not get, you know, excited about buzzwords. Mm-hmm. What to really look for. So that's the keen sense of detail that you really look for. When you were first coming in as a consultant, what was your goal, vision, and improvement or value that you wanted to bring versus now being a part of the company? Did those goals or vision change? It's really funny because I had this conversation with a company that I worked with the other day and it was sort of based on the same idea. And he's like, you're not a consultant. Consultants just want your money. They don't actually want to fix problems. They just want to come in and they want to throw advice. And then, you know, you get a, you get a check for that advice. It doesn't change because I don't work that way. Mm -hmm. When I come in, I have, and I think that's another reason why I like startup because I, I have a very operational brain, but I love the psychology behind marketing. I understand it. I know how to work it. And so, and through those efforts, I'm about to hit a million followers on all of my social media. And so, yay. (laughs) Um, So it's just helping build that. um, Nothing changed. I stand by from the very first day as now. I mean, otherwise I don't, I'm not a good asset. As a consultant myself, what makes a great consultant? Versus a, just a good one. Hmm, that's a good question. You're so good. I would say it's having that, you know, before I branched into the consulting world, I was director of operations for a really great company. Actually, maybe I shouldn't tell the story, um, but I'm going to tell the story. Actually, I'm going to tell the story. Fantastic. I loved my job. I loved what I did. We did amazing things. I and two very close teammates, we built and created seven other verticals under the umbrella of this company, wow. launched them nationwide. I mean, we did amazing things. In the first month we launched, we quadrupled our billing. I mean, we did fantastic things. I'm so proud of the work that we did over there. But so when everyone hears that, they're like, it sounds like you kind of had it pretty sweet. Like, why do you leave? And I go, I just didn't believe in the character of the, and the integrity of the owner of the company. And it's not Mm. something that I wanted my name on anymore. Mm. And I've lost jobs because of that, where I can see at that moment, that's when that company, when we're, you know, meeting and greeting, they don't like that. And that's hard sometimes because that's money, you know, and as a consultant, you need the money you can. But then I realized that I would have just ended up in the same situation again. And it was removing the bad so that I could open the door for good. But there are also companies that I say to, when I say that they love it and they're like, yes, absolutely. That's the person we want. So I think that that's the difference between what makes a, a good consultant and a great consultant is remembering that like you have integrity. These are people's dreams. Yeah. Somebody is working so hard fighting, especially when you're in startup, startup, this is someone's dream. You're changing their stars, you know, mm-hmm. and to get to be a part of that is amazing. So I just try to remember that they're people. It's not just money. And also prompted you to start your own consulting firm versus joining a different company. Um, it was all because of my mentor, Carrie Nikitin. She is one of the most fabulous human beings I've ever met in my life. Um, I worked with her. Um, she had started a company with a very good friend of mine and we were needing equipment. And so they connected did her and I together so that we could work on this deal. And even though that deal didn't go through because of the other company it had nothing to do with what we did. We're amazing. And we did everything, you know, fabulously, but she, she's like, Maggie, like, 
why are you working for this company? Like you need to mm-hmm. branch out on your own, like, you know, and she's taking me under her wing and it took me a couple months. And I was like, no, I can't, I'm, I need that paycheck. I'm a single yeah. mom. Like how, I can't do that. And finally I was like, you know what? Cause I'm also a nurse. I'm like, Hey, I, I always have a job. So I'm going to branch out. If it doesn't work, I can always go pick up shifts. And I've been extremely blessed under her guidance and things are blossoming. So were you hesitant at first to take the initial leap? And oh, we're like, what's the first step? There is pressure on you. You have four amazing yeah. daughters, but you know, you have to provide for them. So I'm wondering how you were able to make that jump and I mean, be successful as you are now. It was really scary, but I think one of those things is sometimes you have to make the jump. You know, mm. I picked up some, I picked up some extra shifts so that I had, you know, enough money to cover me for two weeks if I didn't have any income. And so it it took me about that two weeks to get to a point where something was coming. And, and again, it comes back to that, that integrity part and not just grabbing onto something to grab onto it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, money is always a great motivator in both ways, (laughs) you know, fear or not. And I always say like, there comes a moment in multiple companies. So you can see it, this shift when money starts to get tight and you have to watch. Who does that person become? What do they do? And, you know, they end up making decisions that are for the short term and not Mm -hmm. the long term. And usually those decisions are going to break a company. And I thought about that and I go, okay, I'm not going to make decisions that are going to break me. And I got the first client, introduced me to the next client, started networking and building it. And um, yeah, so I say just, you just have to do it. I don't know if there's one thing that you could say to somebody and there wasn't anything anyone could say to me to force me to do it. It was just, I, I had enough. I was tired of not being able to grow into my full potential. And it was me that was holding myself back. And I was just tired of holding myself back. Man, that's so profound. I gotta say, I I feel like I had those like aha moments just in that minute of you talking. I had like four of them. Wow. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Especially with like when the money gets tight, what kind of person do you become? And I think that's super profound and also puts into perspective, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? If if it's really for the love that you're doing it, it, I don't think it'll matter. Uh, Obviously, money plays a factor, a huge factor. But absolutely. And this is the thing too, you know, I don't, I never do the self-pity. I grew up extremely poor. Um, I dropped out of high school, but I mean, it just, my life should not be where it is. So I know what it's like to, I mean, I left my ex-husband the day I passed state nursing boards and our youngest child was four months old. I had four kids under the age of seven. Uh, My ex-husband was extremely abusive. I mean, everything has been this whole whirlwind of always overcoming something, you know? And so I've I've been there. So that's why sometimes it's hard to, you know, how to explain it to somebody where I know what it's like to have to sell a TV to buy food for my kids. I know what it's like to, okay, wait, we're making something out of the fridge. What do we have here? Because I've been there. I've done that struggle. So I'm not afraid of it because I know I still have that integrity under pressure. And so it's one of those things where you have to be okay with no safety net. Every barrier, you were scared, but you were able to overcome it, overcome it on the other side. So that's amazing and testament to what kind of person you are. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long fight, but I I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, and you're continuing to fight, right? It doesn't stop, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. But see, now I don't have to fight. <laughs> now I now I just get to strategically think and plan and maneuver. And I'm no longer I'm no longer clawing. I'm out of the hole. I'm 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 out of the hole. 
But that was part of that is when yes. I was in that, when I was with that previous company, mm-hmm. again, they're fantastic. I would, I would recommend patients to go there. It was a personal thing for me. I felt like the situation was just getting toxic for me. And, and mm-hmm. I wasn't trusting those gut instincts that were telling mm-hmm. me that things weren't right. And it was affecting me personally and mentally. And I was, I, w- I wasn't happy mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's time to go. Yeah. It's time to go. And I don't have to feel bad about that. I'm so I left. So I think this is kind of a good segue to switch. If people are, especially with COVID and they're just kind of feeling down about themselves, but they want to have a find a partner, you know, soon, what can individuals do to make themselves more bold, courageous to themselves more attractive to the other person? Yeah, I think that it starts from within you. So I start every morning by smiling. Not like I have, I have nothing to smile about, but I just put a smile on my face and instantly I just, I feel better. And there's all these moments. I mean, we're all humans filled with self-doubt and insecurities. And whenever I hear, I have one of those thoughts coming, even if it's, and those bastards are tricky because sometimes <laughs> they're just, it's just a little thing. And it's not even, it's not even anything big. It's not like, God, I'm so ugly. It's more yeah. so like, oh, wait, why didn't he call me back? Oh, maybe I need to do this. Did I just, and it's like these tricky little thoughts. And I'm like, hold on, I'm going negative. And I replace them all with I am statements. I am beautiful. Mm. I am strong. I am kind. Whatever I feel are my, my negativities about myself. I flip it around and make it something positive. And so that's one of those things where not everybody is a perfect match. I haven't liked everybody that is I've met or swiped on me or anything. And so I can't expect everybody to like me also. So again, you have to stay true to yourself. You know, you don't want to actually wrote a movie about this. (laughs) Um, you don't want to, you don't want to change yourself just to appease another person because that's, that just isn't your person. Yeah. Then you meet your person and you're not even you, you're this version of yourself. And now that person doesn't get to fall in love with you because you're not you. Yeah. So it's, you know, you have to just be yourself. And you have to love it. That's hard, but you have to love it. And then the right person will love you. I think that's very well said, especially it's very easy to just say, hey, be yourself. You know, it's, you know, everyone can say that, but I think the how is very important. And that's yeah. what the people are looking for. I and mean, I completely agree. I really do think it starts with oneself before you can go out there and, and love other people. I think you have to start loving yourself and kind of getting to know who yourself is and be yeah. you know, confident in one skin. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a movie um, with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, uh, mm-hmm. Runaway Bride. And it's where she, you know, she just dates like a bunch of guys and then she gets to the point where they're going to get married and they never do it. And she's, and it's happened like seven times. But Richard Gere, of course, falls in love with Julia Roberts. And at one point, he realizes that every man that she was with, she liked to eat her eggs. However, her favorite way to eat her eggs was the way that the guy ate his eggs. And so at the end of the movie, it was like, she, or I think she orders eggs differently than Richard Gere or something. And it's, it's so stupid, but Mm -hmm. it's so true. We change ourselves. We want to be loved so badly that we're willing to give up parts of our true selves. And then we end up miserable because are afraid that that person is not going to actually love us anymore or leave us because they find out who we really are. Mm. And so my whole thing is like my profile, it's not that fancy. I don't have like modeling pictures up there. (laughs) And every single time, everyone's like, holy shit, like you're way hotter in person. And I was like, I do that on purpose. I'd rather be like dismissed yeah. and, you know, swiped left on online 
<laughs> than in person. <laughs> yeah, no, the same thing. Me too. I was just in like hoodies, just workout clothes. Yeah. And like, oh, you actually are kind of okay. Yeah. I guess my follow up question would be, do you think as we grow as people, do you think the type of people we look for in our partners change? Yes. And that is what's really hard with relationships and maintaining yeah. those relationships. And that's so scary. You know, I had a friend several years ago. Um, she told me we were out getting drinks one night and she's like, you know what your problem is, Maggie? She was so sweet. Like her and I had been divorced at the same time. Both had four kids. It had been a couple of years. We were out food, ratting it up, enjoying single life, <laughs> you know, and she had nabbed herself a man and they were happily, they're married now. And I'm, they're just absolutely fabulous. I'm so happy for them. And this was maybe like three months into the relationship. So she was, she was schooling me, you know? Yeah, so she yeah. was like, do you know what, you know what your problem is, Maggie? And I was like, yeah, tell me what, like, what, what's my problem? Let me fix it. You know, okay. If I don't know what's the problem, I can't fix it. She's like, you're too open and honest about who you are and, and what you want and everything. And I was like, no, mm -hmm. to me, that is never a problem. And then I watched it in their relationship where she wasn't pretending to be somebody else, but she wasn't letting all of her parts of her come out mm. as a single mom. Like, I mean, your kids do stuff that annoys you. They're going to be annoying. They're going to fight and bicker and whatever. And, and he had never had kids. And oh. so, um, I think she was trying to, she, she had to put up this front that everything was perfect and okay. And it was eating her alive inside mm. to where it got to the point where she's like, no, he, like, he's going to leave me, like you know, and uh, he finds out and I was like, it's not like you're a murderer or something, yeah. you know, <laughs> like you're allowed to be who you are. So it's really hard when you're in this relationship and, and you're growing and you're changing and, and having the, it's scary to be mm -hmm. really open and intimate with somebody about your deepest, darkest secrets and, and growing together. And I feel like I'm kind of half-ass answering that question. I just, that story had popped in my head. I thought about it because I think about that all the time. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get into a relationship and then, you know, a year down the road, it's like, wait, what are you dealing with? And I was like, Oh, I told you this, like, I don't got a lot of problems, but these are things that I've dealt with in, in the past and things that I'm working on. I'm extremely independent. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I don't need you to take care of me. I want you to be here. So, you know, there's all sorts of little issues where like you work on stuff. I mean, it's hard. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think this is one of the main things people struggle with in a relationship. Yeah. In the beginning, you want to show the best of you because you're like, oh, this person's so awesome. I want to date him. I want to do this with him. I want to do that with him. But after a month, maybe a year, you know, you can't keep that up. A role, whoever you are, you're trying to portray this perfect person. I don't think that's feasible, especially with long-term, if you want to get married to them, you know? So I'm going to say something because everybody makes fun of me, but I have a three-month rule. Okay. When I meet somebody okay. and we start and we start talking, we start dating, and it starts from the very first time we meet, not the first time we started talking. I do not go exclusive with anybody. I won't even think about it until it's been three months. Because nobody can hide longer than three months who they really are. At the beginning, it's all like, I love you, baby. Let me yeah. romance you and do all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I want to see what you do after three months. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I think that's super important. And especially if you're playing the longevity game, better for you to take that in. Okay, what kind of person am I looking for long-term? I think if you yeah. ask those good questions, you'll be able to find a better person. Maybe it won't come sooner than you expect. It will have to look a little bit, but I think that may help you to find the right person you're looking for. Absolutely. That's why you, you have those hard 
conversations in the beginning, because yeah. I want to know what kind of person you, I want to know what you have hidden in there. Don't make me fall in love with you. And then six months later, all this craziness comes out. Yeah. And then now I'm like, I don't want, like, you have to give me the option because that is part of you. And that's scary. But if you tell me all that up front and you don't try to like blindside me, mm-hmm. I want to help you. I want to be here, but now you're playing games and you're being manipulative and I'm not going to do that, you know, but yeah, it's hard. So if you can give one advice, one relationship advice to the single folks out there, what would it be? Ooh, that's good. I think it would still be this, like, just be true to you. Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. to be you. It's hard and it's scary and it sucks. And honestly, stop trying. Mm-hmm. I think when you stop trying, that's when you find it, you know, and being honest about, this isn't just one piece of advice, is it? No, I'm keep going. <laughs> would you say, but <laughs> would you say that's from your past experience, like your past relationship experience, would it stem from that? Yeah, because there, okay, so, because there's a lot of different, there's a lot, we're going to get real now. This okay, is let's I do it. That's, like, that's what I'm here for. Where are we going with this? Like, I'm an extremely sexual person. Um, I feel like we are allowed to express our sexuality however we see fit to do that. Yeah. Um, there are some people that aren't that way. There are some that way. And that is something that I have struggled with my whole life. Being a female, mm. I, I have a man's brain. I think <laughs> like a man. Like I love emotions and stuff. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I love cuddling. I love being sweet. I love all that, but I'm not like a super mushy person. Don't get me mm. wrong. I have the girl parts too, but um, <laughs> I can differentiate the difference between sex and love. I yeah. know that there's two differences, and we have needs for both, but I don't combine them all. It's not always one or the other. I mean, I guess it can be one or the other, but I don't mm-hmm. need the love to have the sex part. Yeah. And so a lot of people in my life, especially men, are terrified of that, and it scares them away. They like it at first, but then it'll scare them away, but a lot of judgment has come from that, and I actually had this conversation with with a man the other day, and you know, <laughs> you're right there along with me, is all I have to say, is when we're here and we're doing something, like, and it's almost like a slut shaming moment, mm-hmm. and I'm like, excuse me, sir. I don't, I don't, you don't need to do that. I know who I am. I know what I like. I know what I want. I know my ultimate goal is to meet my person and fall madly in love and, and have that soulmate. I am the hopeless romantic, but have to be real. It's not you, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that doesn't mean I don't have needs and we can't still, you know, yeah. scratch each other's back from time to time. Exactly. So when I started to say to myself, you know what? It's okay. I am allowed to be that way. I don't have to feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. It was like a whole world of, of just anxiety and sadness just mm. left. And wow. it was that last block I had of being able to truly love myself. Cause I wasn't, you know, and now when people come to me again, it's like, I removed that block and it took the bad out and now the good comes in. Mm. And now I'm able to it helped elevate me to that next level of the men that I date. Wow. What you said right there is very profound as well. Being able to understand that and let yourself be okay with that and make your life a lot easier, not have to worry about it so much. And I agree. I really don't understand this notion of if, if guys can do it and girls can't, I don't really understand that. I think yeah. everyone has the right choice to do it. If they want to do that, that's fine. And as long as they're okay with it and consensual, Hey, go ahead. 
Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and it's it's fun. It's like, I'm, and then I'm like, I'm punishing myself because of what <laughs> other people think of me. Dumbest yeah. thing ever, Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> but I think a lot of people do do that. I think because of fear of judgment, I think I do think that impacts people's actions. Absolutely. A hundred percent it does. And, you know, and that's not fair. It, it's like, you know, I have these girlfriends too, that um, they like punish their husbands by not having sex. I'm like, honey, you're punishing yourself. <laughs> like you're mad. He didn't do the dishes, but like <laughs> be punishing in the dish world. Like don't wash exactly. the dishes. Take a off dirty plates or something. I don't know. Why are you not having sex? I don't even see all those two go to get, go side by side. I think, I think, yeah, that should be repeated more often. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So actually I'm starting a podcast. It's called live sex love. And it's, Oh, thank it's, goodness. We need yeah. more of you. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, ba- it's not just like sex talk. It's, ba- it's, it's learning to love yourself and be comfortable with who you are sexually. Cause what? I have girlfriends who've never had an orgasm. What? And I'm like, literally when she told me that I like my head almost exploded and I was like how is that even possible yeah and then I you know we just started talking and I'm like oh my gosh like we need to save the world and then I started talking to more women and I'm like hold on and then there's women who have never pleasured themselves and I was like well of course you're not doing anything you don't know like no so it starts with that like Start with loving yourself, being comfortable, naked in your skin, mm-hmm. loving who you are, and then growing that. And that turns into, again, you have to love yourself before you can love another person. So that's what the podcast is all about. So um, I think I've listened number one. Have you started it yet? Or what's, is it in the plan? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm meeting with the with production teams now to get started. So hopefully we'll, we'll get, hopefully in December, but we'll see. It'll probably be January. That's amazing. I can't wait for this to go yeah. off. I, I want to be the number one listener. I'll be the first one to download it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I guess now kind of flip-flop again, since you're doing a podcast, now that kind of consultant role kind of type of question, like how, what is your plan of approach of branding it, of kind of making it being the public? What is your game of approach? Yeah, well, actually it's perfect because I, I developed this about a year ago with a friend, of, with two friends of mine, actually, when she has several PhDs in sexology. Oh, wow. Um, I'm sure it's a more like, but I just, that's what I say. She has all these other terms, but I'm like, no, sexology, those are always going to be your degrees. <laughs> um, but she had to move back to Australia. So we've been trying to figure out the time. Mm. It's literally the opposite of my time. Mm-hmm. So trying to find time to film and do things like that. Um, so it's been kind of on the back burner. And then when I came on with Metopolis, um, it was one of those things where I'm like, hey, I do this podcast. Like, can we can tie the two yeah. of these together? Yeah. Um, and so it actually kind of ties into my brand. So I'm the Judge Maggie. That's my website and all of my yep. social media handles. So I think it's going to, I'm so bad at doing what I do to myself for others, actually. <laughs> A, a terrible oh, at it. I don't know how I want to put that out there yet. I think that's why I haven't started it because mm-hmm. I want it to be its own entity. I want it to be its mm-hmm. own beast and I want it to be sort of shared in other ways. But, um, and I think that's why I haven't done it. Mm-hmm. I still got to pick on your brain. Cause I feel like you you do such a great job helping people build other people's brand companies, brands. So if you were to use me pretty sure I can't afford your rate, but you know, since I have you on the podcast, it's free. So if you can give me three advice, just you work with me one-on-one. Okay. Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Like, what are the three questions you would ask me to assess where I'm at and help me to grow my brand or help me to grow my reach? Okay. What are you selling? So we can do this now. Here we go. We can do this. What do you you sell? What do you bring to the world? 
What do I bring to the world? Why, I think, why would people want to hire you? I would hope they would hire me because of the coaching, the personality, the leadership that I will be able to bring. I do think I went through my own personal journey of losing weight, going from 315 pounds to healthy living and all this stuff. And yeah, in that journey, I just felt like, man, we can, if I can do something like this and feel great about myself and, and really love myself, I really want this for other people and, and just kind of going on this journey, like going from an introvert to doing a podcast and not really caring about what other people think very heavily dependent on that. Um, yeah. But just being able to sell this, being able to portray the, the emotions, the passion and, and the learning that I do, I think learning is very important as well, yeah. being able to provide that to my customer. I want to come back to this, but do you think, because you said something, so do you think that you are really an introverted person or how much of it was your weight holding you back from living your true life and being the great you? I think the latter. I just needed experiences to help me to actually believe in myself. Because I mean, when you're young, I, I don't think you have much to go off of in terms of your courage or anything like that. You know, I would try to make everyone laugh to be the life of the party, things like that. I yeah. mean, just like stuff for you in high school, right? Yeah. I didn't know what being courage is or true friendship was uh, back then. You know, it's always good to be popular. Now it's like, it's better to have a closer knit circle. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, and then I would ask, so, I mean, that's great. Like you want to put the coaching out into the world and how do you do that? Are you, do you want to take that in more of a, a serious approach? Is it more, uh, you know, like actual, like, quotes and books and mm-hmm. and we're reading we're doing is it is it more fun is it more like lively yeah. who's and who is your audience do you want to are you more towards men are you more towards women towards helping motivate those people who want to feel like their best version so maybe it's men and women who are overweight yeah and are looking for someone to help motivate them to that point So it's kind of like how you would funnel, you know, you want to funnel your users. You have to think that as that funnel gets smaller and smaller and smaller, Mm -hmm. it's, you also are looking at your users that way. So here you have this big, broad generalization of people. You want to funnel it down to who, what's that, what's that 1% of, of people in the world that you are really, and then target them. I think that that's the biggest issue that a lot of companies have is that they try to go too broad because they think that they're going to alienate people and they just want money to come in. They just want (laughs) people to come in. But really, it makes you look scatterbrained and like you Mm -hmm. don't know what you're doing. So you really want to be able to fine tune. Again, it's that feeling. Everything about your name, your social media platforms, your coach, everything that you do should have that same feeling of, I'm here to help you build self-esteem and give you the courage to do, you know, to lose that weight, to get up, to motivation. However it mm-hmm. is, you have to pick those three words that define you mm-hmm. and build everything off those three words. So I know this may not be a good question, but I feel like the podcast for me, I'm, I'm just trying to do this because I love this so much. The fact that I'm blessed to have internet and uh, a tool for me to connect with people I don't even know. Yeah, I can just connect on Instagram and have this amazing conversation with and learn so much from to me, this is just what I want to do forever. Like I want, I want to be like a hundred years old, saggy as all I can be, but still talking (laughs) to amazing people, amazing people that are in their twenties or forties or whatever it may be. The fact that I can potentially do this for the rest of my life and build some sort of audience to me, I think that's more captivating than just building my niche, which probably isn't the greatest thing. I just feel like I want to do this for long term and until I die. 
And so, um, and what you just said really encapsulates why I have a hard time sort of branding myself because I also hate boxes. I don't want to pigeonhole mm-hmm. myself. And I, I, I am my own problems, just like everything <laughs> that I help identify with everyone else, you know, and like with my social media, the biggest thing is that because I am a plus size model, um, I'm very careful about doing like any type of like, not necessarily brand ambassadorships, but mm. I don't do like promo codes and things yeah. because I am a real model. I'm signed with, with multiple agencies and I don't want to be fetishized. It's almost like, mm. Oh no, you can't be a real model because you're not a size two. Yeah. Or when I post something on Instagram, it's like, Oh, look at this girl thinking she's a, no, I am real. So I'm very careful. That is probably the only thing I do. The rest of it is just like open air because I just love doing it. Yeah. So when I put together the podcast, I'm not doing it to be the number one podcast, uh, you know, in the world and have everybody. It's not about the fame. I just, if I get to help people, that makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do. I want to liberate women and men to be able to just truly and honestly love themselves. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, if I want to do this full time, if I did make money off of it, then mm-hmm. I don't have to work spending all my time doing other things. I can, I can put out more podcasts, Yeah, you know, I can write a book, you know? Yeah. So do you think that's a valid concern? Cause I know, I mean, I, you know, I read books and they're like, you got to find your small niche. You got to find your target audience. But to me, I just love to do this just to do it. I don't want to pigeonhole myself to fitness influencers or fitness coaches. I don't yeah. want to inter- interview them only. Like I- I'm talking yeah. to you who I-, I don't have a lot of experience talking to, but I mean, you're just an amazing person. I just want to talk to amazing people. Yeah. So do you think that's a valid, I guess, a want or need in terms of when you're building a brand or a business? I think it is. And now here's the fun thing too, is that There are so many people out there that are connectors and maybe this is the hopeless romantic in me, but things come alive. I really truly do believe that if you're a good person and you put God out into the world, it comes back to you. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to you about a business opportunity after this. Um, It's a project I work on with a salsa company. Um, It's called Dreams Aren't This Good. It's all sorts of fun, funky salsas. It's a lifestyle company. They do music festivals, all this stuff. But one of the projects that they do is called The People Project. Okay. And so they highlight amazing people. They get to tell their story. And then your face goes on uh, a hoodie, a white hoodie with this black silhouette. And then proceeds go to the charity of your choice. And it's just something fun to help, you know, it's not even really promoting this also. It's just something fun to do. It's one of those things you never know. You just keep talking to people and you put it out there. But I will say we can still market you. Mm-hmm. If you don't have, if you don't have that full brand, there's still ways that you can go about building and marketing more in the grassroots mm-hmm. area. Not everything has to be, you know, we're not all Coca-Cola. Yeah. Not everything has to be perfectly branded and sold that way. But there's still a lot that you can do. Mm -hmm. to promote your company and go that way. And you just want to make sure that when you are putting that content out there, that your time is money, you know, and you just want to make sure that you're spending your time wisely and you're not spinning circles because then you start to get frustrated. And when something that you love and you've put your so much heart and and time into isn't coming alive, Mm -hmm. that'll, I mean, that'll hurt. So it's more so about like, you can find units on, you don't have to go so down the funnel but you can there's still a lot that you can do to funnel that helping a lot of folks what are the two most common mistakes that they are doing that are like i'm trying to do everything and it's not working maggie like i just need your help like what's going on 
I would say that one of them is thinking that marketing isn't important. Mm. A lot of people, um, when they start planning out their budgets, they put marketing at the very end of that mm-hmm. um, and starting that marketing campaign early enough, because I will tell you, you got to build that buzz. Mm. You, and, and then the second thing would be not doing it enough. It takes somebody five to six times of seeing something before they click a link or want to buy something. So you have to be there all the time. And that's hard. I struggle with that all the time. It is hard to continuously come up with content and posting and posting and posting. But now you're not just posting. You have to be there. You have to comment. You have to talk. You have to engage. You have to you have to be in other groups talking to people and driving those users. So that's usually one of the most important people when you're first launching that campaign. And that's not that's not some high level big job. That's somebody that you can pay them like 12 bucks an hour to be your social media person. Mm-hmm. To sit there and come on, they do a couple, even if it's just a couple hours a day, to just be on there talking and running and managing an actual social media campaign, it does make a difference because then when you come to investors or anybody, what you know, if, if, when you start to climb up that ladder and you're really starting to get noticed, yep. that's when people will come and they see your page. And that says something, especially in, in a consumer market, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're doing you know, there's other markets too, but um, if you're doing something that's a consumer good, mm-hmm. you want to see that consumers are engaging with it and they like that. So even if you have 500 followers on Instagram, but you're getting likes and comments and people are active, that speaks volumes. You want mm-hmm. those good interaction rates. So those are, those are the pieces of advice I would, I would give start that as soon as possible. Gotcha. And would you say that's the first type of person, if you have the financial ability to hire someone, would that be the first one to go to like a marketing person? I mean, it's, it's hard because you have, I have to know the company, there's a billion, million different yeah. things, but yeah. you know, but definitely for you, for, for the podcast and, and the coaching and doing all that a hundred percent, because if you're out there, if you're actually coaching and you're getting clients, yeah. then you're not able to get out there and keep pushing content and driving more clients. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where you have to know your strengths and weaknesses and where you really can be, because we all cannot do it all. We need yeah. a team. We need people to help. And that's one of those easy things because that person can also be an assistant. They can send emails. They can yeah. do follow-ups. It's not just social media. So it's kind of having that person wear multiple hats and social media happens to be one of them. And it's the day and the age. Social media is everything now. Mm. If you don't have a social media presence, you know, you might as well not even exist. Yeah, that is absolutely it's, true. It's really it's, sad, but... Yeah. It is sad, but I think it's very true. And I, I think I'll cut it there before you start actually charging me uh, for your price. I'll, I'll probably stop there. <laughs> so to actually bring more value to, to listeners... So, you, I mean, you know this, like a bike your hand, but what do you think are the must-haves when someone is creating their dating profiles? Ooh, good question. Um, put pictures, okay? Like, <laughs> but put pictures of the things that you think are negative qualities. I have, uh, there's mm. so many pictures of guys, if every picture you're wearing a hat, I know you're bald. <laughs> Show me the bald head. My girlfriend only dates bald men. Mm, there you She's go. She's not attracted to guys with hair. I love hair. Everybody wants something different. Be true to you because then what happens, I'm used to seeing you with the cap and then I go and I see you in real life and I'm like, 
oh, I didn't even think about it. And it's not that I don't like you, but it's like, why would you try to deceive me like Mm -hmm. that way? So I would say do pictures that really show who you are and like, just be you. Don't write a message saying like what you think somebody wants to hear. If you want it, do it. Oh, and don't be angry. (laughs) Don't put, I don't want this. We all have been dating. We've all gone through bad things. We all know what we don't want. Like, mm-hmm. you know, guys will put on there a lot, um, no duck face pictures. No, if you only post pictures of you and all your girlfriends swipe left, don't tell me what to do, honey. I don't want to yeah. swipe right on you anyway. <laughs> you know, like get out of here. Don't tell me what to do. You got all, all you're, you're holding a fish in every picture. I mean, yeah, every yeah, good. Big fisherman, you know, <laughs> that's true. You are from Houston. You got a lot of guys who are hunting and fishing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with that, do you think FaceTime first dates will take over traditional in-person dating? So actually that's something that we integrated into our system. And Mm -hmm. so um, it'll be on the next build out. So hopefully it'll be done in January um, to where we do, um, we have video chat rooms, voice only chat rooms and are just texting. And Mm -hmm. so, but they're for everybody. So because of that, because of COVID and life and just where everyone is, it's kind of nice to get to talk to somebody. I mean, look at how we're connecting here. And it's amazing. You know, it is. before it is. it's like, you'd have to drive everywhere and plan and do this. And it's like, I just get to sit in the comfort of my own home. You don't even know if I'm wearing pants. This is fantastic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's so very true. it's great because you get to do that. So it, it it's definitely going to go that way. And it's less scary mm-hmm. when you at least have that interaction. So that's why we integrated the, those, those chat rooms. And that was another thing that came from, from user feedback, adding the video feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can do either or. So. Yeah, I will say I was a bit hesitant at first, uh, but I think after going on my first one and finding my long time pretty nice, actually. And the fact that we're just able to connect um, yeah. very well, that was a pretty nice factor to it. But especially if you're doing long distance, it definitely helps yeah. be able to, if you have a lot of interest, but you get a little bit distance factor to it, but still want to give it a shot. I think Absolutely. it definitely, yeah, helps for well, sure. And then sometimes it's, you know, we just all have busy schedules and I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm just tired of wasting time. Like, let's mm-hmm. do something so I like being able to do that. And I'm in the suburb. I'm just, I'm actually, I'm in Harris County, but I'm in a suburb just north of Houston. So it's maybe like a 25 minute drive or something to get into the, you know, to get into the city. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh gosh, now I got to get like dressed. <laughs> I got to drive and do parking. I don't even know if I'm going to like this guy. Oh, it's so much, you know, um, where I'm like, Hey, what you doing? Let's FaceTime. And then we can just kind of talk and at least get the, the feels. Yeah. To see if we want to go through all the hoopla of meeting in person. So what would you say couple of things you shouldn't do on a first date and things you should do on a first date? Um, my very first date after my divorce, don't do anything I did on that date. <laughs> <laughs> I did everything wrong. It was awful. I'm going to say there's nothing. There's mm. nothing. Because I hear things all the time and I've been on, and I've been on my first month, I went on 15 dates. I was like, I don't even know what I want anymore. Like, let's just do this. Let's go out. I got, I just, I I was a nervous wreck. I'm like, I just got to get this over with and not be nervous anymore. Um, Because you read things, I read an article the other day, somebody actually posted this on Metopolis and I was like, hold up, what? Let's let's start this little conversation here. Um, Because it was like 10 things women shouldn't do to get a guy to love them or something. Mm. I think I had such a hard time with it because I was like six of those 10 things. 
but they were like very archaic things. Like if you're very successful, that's okay, but don't like boast about it because he doesn't want to fall in love with your brain. He wants to fall in love with your heart. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. I like, some things are weird. And they're like, you know, don't talk about your ex a lot. And I'm like, I don't talk about my ex a lot, but you're going to ask questions. And sometimes like things come up. So I think sometimes we just get in our heads too much Mm -hmm. about like what we can do and can't do. Just, just relax. Oh, don't drink. Don't drink too much. Yes. Then you get yourself into trouble. Limit yourself to like two <laughs> alcoholic beverages because I tell you what, those boys look cuter after the second drink. And then, you know, and so. Are you talking from experience? I, I hear. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so if you had to give guy advice, because I think guys, we have this kind of pressure to like, we got to, you know, look really good. We got to, you know, keep the conversation going. And and there's a lot of things going on on our head in our first date. What would you, if you had to give some advice to help them just make through the night as safely as possible as not fucking it up, what would you advise them to do? Um, same thing, you know, it's one of those things, just learn how to read the room. Yes. Um, you know, like, and know what's happening, what's going I, I would say this, watch the movie Hitch. The beginning, like the first like 20 minutes of that, that Will Smith movie, he gives mm. great advice. Mm. He's like, don't look down her shirt, don't look at her lips, like listen to what she's saying and have that conversation, yeah. you know? Because I guess women are the opposite. We want to fall in love with your brain, you know? And if you're always, if you're always, you know, talking about like, oh, I've got this car and, and you're like name dropping all this stuff. Yeah. And to me, it just indicates that like you have no substance. Mm-hmm. You have nothing else going on in your life except these things out here. Maybe you're just trying to do that to impress me. Listen to the Shania Twain song that don't impress me much. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's one of those things like let her see who you are. Be you in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, don't expect to have sex on the first date, you know? And I will say this, like, even if that girl, if you really like her, now if you just wanna, if you just wanna go have your fun, go have your fun. But if you really like that girl, even if she's pushing for it, don't do it. I don't agree. It. I it's the same thing agree. for girls too. Even if they're pushing it and you really like the guy, don't do it. I'm like I said, I'm an extremely sexual person and I think that that rule is bullshit, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you it works. Like if you want something, you're willing to wait for it. I'm not saying you have to wait months, but give it some time to sit, go away. You got to miss each other. You got to feel that, that heat, you know, Mm. let it build. I don't know who said this, but there's like a rule of thumb, like going at least three, four days before, you know, you get into the the crazy stuff. You think that's true? Um, I will say this. Um, I know it wasn't the greatest, but you know, I was married for 10 years and my ex-husband was supposed to be a one night stand. Mm. And then 10 years later, it ended like a month shy of 10 years. I mean, you really just don't know. Again, be true to yourself. If you a freak, let that freak flag fly (laughs) because that's not fair to the other person. If the other person isn't a freak, like then you're pulling in somebody and you're pretending to be something that you're not because now, and then you just wasted each other's time. Yeah. You know, where it's like, now you're like, Oh, put my foot in your mouth or something gross. And you're like, get out of here. What? I don't want to do that. Oh man. No, now I, I'm dating the foot guy, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, no, one, no one likes a foot guy. Yeah. <laughs> just, just let it out there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So uh, when I was researching on uh, talk questions on the relationship topic, I came across this statistic said the average divorce rate in America is around 50%. Mm-hmm. 
like, why do you think that is? I think it goes back to some of the things that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, you know, where I bet if you looked at that number, it's gotten higher since interest yeah. in social media. Because oh, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. wants to have that. Nobody wants the marriage. They want the wedding. Yes. And they're so true. excited that they go through and they just want it. If you, I, that again, that's not my thing. If it is your thing, you can still have a big, beautiful, amazing wedding and still have the love of your life and have a great marriage. But when you're so young and you're getting married and it's for all the wrong reasons, you know, and maybe you feel like you're forced into it or you're supposed to do it. But most of the time it's more so about, they want the pictures. They want the wedding, Mm. you know, and people can't grow together. People are not honest. We're impatient. We live in a society where I have everything and everything I want on the phone. You know, Mm. now I I ordered some stuff on Amazon thinking it'd get here in a couple of days. And they're like, your shipment will be there at two o'clock today. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. that's insane. You know, we're impatient. So we don't know what it takes to actually stand by someone's side through thick and thin and being their support. You know, we always think that a relationship is 50, 50, but a lot of times it's when somebody has zero to give and the other person has a hundred to give or, Mm. you know, 90, 10 or whatever that is. And you're balancing it out. You know, it's not always 50, 50 all the time. It's some days I'm the anchor and some days that person's the anchor. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just don't know that, you know, and that's why we really want to do like with the relationship coaches. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you have that, those parts healed because people don't fix that part until the relationship is falling apart. And then usually by then it's too late when you're in couples therapy. Yeah. So we're hoping that maybe this will help make a change and we can have people who actually meet off of common interests, things that they really do truly love. And maybe we've helped them heal a little bit and it'll last longer. Yeah. So if you can create like a little checklist and have like three questions, like a couple should ask before getting married, so what would those three questions be? Oh, that's good. I have one. I want to see who you are when you're angry. Mm. I think that's really good. But again, I think these questions are going to be different for everybody. Given my background, that's, yeah. a, that's a big one for me. I like gentle, you know, I'm, I'm a little hippie lady. I don't, I don't like anger. <laughs> like, let's talk about it. Okay. You need to yeah. go do something else, but like, let's talk about it. I want to say you do that. I want to know your finances. How do you handle, how do you handle money? Because I'm going to be a part of that. So if you come in yeah. here and you're like, you know, Tony Soprano or something, I need to know about that. <laughs> I want to know what I'm getting myself into. Um, and this is a, this is a hard one for me, but you have to have the kid talk. My tubes are mm. tied. I don't want any more kids. And that's been, there's been several men that, you know, I've dated one I loved very much. And it got to the point where he wanted kids and I don't. And I got my tubes tied on purpose because I knew that exact moment would happen. And I would be duped into having a baby when I really didn't want to have a baby. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that you need to know what those are for you. But I think that that last question is really, what is something, what is your deal breaker? What is something that you really want or you don't really want? Um, that's different for a lot of people. Some people don't want to, you know, stay where they're living. Maybe you're in school. Maybe you traveling is really important to you. That was yeah. a big thing for me too. Are you an adventurous person? Um, I want to know if you're really an extrovert or an introvert. I make everybody take all those tests. You're doing your, I want to know your MBTI. I want to know your horoscope. I want to know your love language. Those things are silly, but they're so important because you, but you can't ask questions until you know how to answer them yourself and what you really want. 
So mm. I know my questions, but I think they would change based off of other people. But definitely, you know, yeah, yeah. Find out how their parents were. They loved by their parents were that because that's some childhood trauma shit that you know you need to be prepared for. <laughs> yeah, that shit runs deep. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah, it does. yeah, yeah. So I think those are really good questions to ask, uh, especially uh, when you're making a huge step like marriage, because that's that's a very very big step. But yeah, you want to make that last. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So I want to kind of transition to, you know, you're an amazing entrepreneur. You got so many things going on. And I just want to ask you some questions in that realm. So what is it like helping, uh, especially with consulting and and now being a co-founder, like helping a startup grow and get on their feet? What is that process like? Chaos. Mm. I love it. It's pure chaos. Um, But you have, I have a, my brain works very operationally. So when I see something, I don't see it as a big mess. I see, I see beauty and I see how I can make it all make sense. And that's part of it is coming in and knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also helping that CEO identify their strengths and weaknesses because they need to build a team that has a strength that counteracts their weakness. Um, because if you have five people who all have the same weakness, you're not going to have a very strong team. So mm-hmm. you really need to, and that's coming in because as a startup, everybody is wearing every hat. Yeah. You have to, so you kind of have to be able to know that. And it's hard coming in at the beginning because nobody wants a little know it all kind of, you know, coming in and you got to learn everyone, but really trying to like fine tune that and maneuver it and to make it strong. I'm a big believer of not band-aiding problems. If there's a problem, it is always going to be a problem. Even if you come up with a quick little fix, you need to tear it down and start over, which mm-hmm. is really hard for some people. Yeah. Um, and not in all situations that needs to be done, but in most situations it does need to be done. Um, so yeah, you need to, you need to help them identify those issues mm-hmm. building it because it's chaos and it'll always be chaos if you don't figure all that out. Yes, absolutely. So if you had to kind of do it all over again, what are three lessons or tips or tricks you wish you knew before coming uh, as an entrepreneur? Oh, good questions. Um, three things that I wish I would have known. I wish I would have built my network. Mm. Um, Cause it's one of those things where when, you know, when you're working, you know, a, a set desk job or something like that, like where the role I was in before, um, that network wasn't as important. Now it is. Um, so I wish I would have gone to more of these networking events and groups sooner. Um, because I've, I've gotten a lot of business from there. I've, Mm -hmm. I've met some amazing people who come in and they mentor and, and you really are like a little family because it's people who see you and understand you and, and, and they get you and they'll help you. Um, I would have bought my remarkable sooner. (laughs) It is my life. It's broken right now and I hate it. So this is, this is me right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I hate the unorganization of it all. And so Mm. the remarkable is it's, it's not a tablet, but it's like a paper tablet, um, a virtual paper. I forget what they call it, but I can write everything on there. And so I have a file folder for each work for and subfolders. So when you're out and about and you're in a meeting, it's not like this book that you pull through. You can't add pages. I just pull it out. I can write. I can email directly from it. Um, Mm -hmm. and it actually has a little button where anything I've handwritten, it'll turn it into typed form. Mm -hmm. It's 
the most incredible thing to helping you organize. It was worth. They it. should sponsor you. This is amazing. I know they should sponsor me, right? Jeez. Yeah. My pen is bro. I had to order a new tip, so I don't have it, and I'm like lost without it. So get mm. yourself a remarkable. It's amazing. Um, and the third one. That's a tricky one. I think that I wish I would have trusted my 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 brilliance a little sooner mm. trust yourself it's hard when you're down there and, and you're trying to fight for it and coming on with a new company because i came out like marketing you can market anything yeah and so i work with random like one's a surgical innovation company the other yeah. one is a financial company the you know and then the and then a salsa company so it's like i'm kind of like all over the place so i felt extremely intimidated because i'm working with some incredibly brilliant people mm -hmm. that have been in the industry for so long. And I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I do not belong here, which is not true. And everybody loves me and now things are really great, but I wish I just would have believed in myself. So whatever it is that you need to do to make sure like in those moments, like mm -hmm. believe in yourself, take the time to do the studying and the extracurricular work if you need to do, mm -hmm. um, but believe in yourself and put people around you who believe in you really like all those and especially the last one because i think it's like a little segue to the next question is i think we're we all have people who help us out along our way and i really value mentors coaches and things like that yeah. how do you think one identifies a good coach or like a mentor in their career or their business like and how do they continue a good bond uh, and maintain a good co or mentor mentee relationship you know, I think that your mentors will also sort of change. It depends on, you know, where you are and, and what's going on and, uh, with that with that first mentor. Um, but I think it's communication and just talking. I mean, everyone's working and everyone's busy. And, you know, I always feel like because, again, Carrie, my mentor, she's I mean, she's been doing this for a very, very long time. And I'm like, I feel like I, there's nothing I bring to the table. I'm like, I can't connect you with anybody or anything because like yeah. you, 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 I'll bring you one person. And you're like, oh, actually I know all of his bosses and everybody, you know, that created him. Um, but, but she never makes me feel that way. Yeah. You know, she never makes me feel stupid. I know I can always come to her and I, and I do a lot and I always ask her questions. Um, but then I realized I do help her because she's a connector. So now she has somebody that does this marketing with a nursing background in healthcare and, and that's her field. And so she can kind of connect. So make sure again, that that person fills in like your weaknesses, whatever your weaknesses are, you need a mentor that will help train that. Don't get a mentor that thinks like you don't get a mm. mentor that has the same powers that you do, because otherwise if you're not gaining anything from that, you need somebody that's going to help you fill the gaps. So mm. I think that that's the best way and just show your gratitude. Yeah. You know, they're taking again, time is money and they're taking time out of their life. Um, even if it's just a simple, thank you, you know, show that gratitude and don't do them wrong. Yes. <laughs> if they're protecting you, that's their name. Don't do them wrong. Yeah. And I think those are absolutely key points to keeping a very healthy, uh, mentor mentee relationship. And uh, my last question in terms of the uh, entrepreneur realm, do you have a success routine? I know you had, I know you kind of touched on your morning. First thing is you smile. And I really like that. Do you do any additional things when you wake up or before going to bed? Before going to bed, it's actually one of those new things. Now I listen to, I have a little, um, like meditation playlist mm -hmm. that I listen to and my bedroom window overlooks this little lake out here. And so I like to look at the water. 
it's one of those things where it's just, it, it sort of, it's my moment to shut my brain off. Because I think that's the hardest thing in, in just life in general is feeling like you always have to be doing and going, but then your personal health, mental, physical, um, really starts to take a toll. And yep. so it's sort of my way to shut off. I have an alarm set on my phone at 1030 every night. My phone is off mm. on the weekend. I will set my phone down. I don't work unless I choose to work. If you're emailing me or messaging me or something like I have to turn it off. I have to save my sanity. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's one of those ways that I can just kind of, I turn it off and that sets myself like, Hey, now it's bedtime. And I go to sleep. Uh, I think that's super important because I think people don't know when to shut it off, especially during a COVID virtual work environment. There is no stopping. Especially when you're working from home, yes. you know, and you're always here, at least if you're in an office or something, oh, I didn't bring my computer. I left it there. You come home. It's not so bad, but it's like one of those, I have to remember to turn my, my, cause there's certain things, apps and things that I use that are on my computer, not on my phone. And so I have to turn my computer off or I'll hear mm -hmm. it. It'll keep dinging. And I'm like, oh, I got to go look at it. Um, so it's just being able to set those boundaries with yourself. I, ha I say this a lot, you know, piss poor planning on your end does not necessitate an emergency on mine. Wow. Yeah. You know, and that's hard to say, and that's hard to do, you know, because I want to be a team player and, you know, have equity in companies and I want to see them grow and I want to watch them blossom and become something amazing, but I also have a lot of other things going on. And so it's, it's this trigger where if I then have to stop everything here to come be here, then that's affecting everybody else that I work for and everything else in my life. So, um, yeah. So I think that's a great, like little touch up on leadership. I know being a leader can be sometimes being a bad guy, uh, like like you talked about. A lot of times. So, yeah. How do you balance that and try to still have the respect, not burn bridges, but still maintain a healthy relationship? Yeah. I mean, I think you just have to talk. You just have to be honest. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are always an asshole and you talk <laughs> to somebody, you're just an asshole. Yeah. You know, but it, there, there was one girl, she gave me a run for my money, definitely, with the other company I worked for. And it was hard and I worked so hard with her. I gave her every single tool she possibly could need and sat there with her and worked with her and, you know, went through things and, you know, finally, and it was just little things where like, she just would show up like an hour late. She'd mm. leave two hours early and you're like, well, what job do you have where you can just do it? Yeah. You know? And so I was talking to her and I had to write her up and, you know, she's like, and I said something, I'm like, we're not here to micromanage. We did it all. And she looked up at me and she goes, maybe you should. And I was like, no, we don't do that here. And that's not the culture that we're building. So if this isn't the right fit for you, you know, you signed a two-year contract, you got a bonus, you got to give pay us back the bonus and move on, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's okay because you, you're not fitting this here. Um, and then, you know, she said something, she's like, well, it's hard when we all come into your office and, you know, people are sitting in there and they're talking and goofing around, you know, what do you do? Yeah. And I was like, good question. Um, let's go look at some stuff. So I show it, I pull everything up because everything is timestamped. And I'm like, I was up till one o'clock last night working on these reports Saturday night, Sunday nights, because I need to be here for you guys. I'm here when I'm in the office, I'm here to support you. Mm -hmm. I can't sit down and think and do all the things that I need to do because there's only one manager in this office. I need to do it, you know, and, and make sure that you guys have the tools that you need and not do And so I just, and we just talked, mm -hmm. we just talked like I, and then I looked at her and, and I would, and I honestly was like, I don't really have anything to prove. 
my work shows for it because it gets done, you know, and I go, and your work isn't showing it at the end of the day, like it's business. It's not personal. Yeah. Um, some people take that to the extreme and it's not the extreme. It can still be in the middle, but I'm not your friend. I can't yeah. be your friend because I can be your friend until that clouds, you know, that judgment, but you have to set those, you have to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to do. And it does not make you an asshole or a bitch. If you set a boundary. Yeah. That's what I noticed between good leaders and being in the corporate world, being good, good leaders and bad leaders, they know how to set boundaries. And also they need to be the bad guy sometimes in order for the team to blossom. They can't have the one couple bad apples bringing the whole team down. And that exactly it. So when, you know, we had, it was a room, it was a group of nurses, there were four nurses. And when every other nurse is there on time, showing up working and you're coming in and out as you see fit, you're not working. She's watching TV at her desk things like that, it's, it's elitist. And it's you saying my time is more important than your time, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, but they see that like, you're not really getting in trouble. So what's going to stop them from wanting to do it? Right. You know? So in that case, if we didn't set the boundaries and if we didn't, you know, go through with it properly, then you kind of start to lose control of your team. You know, I didn't take her out back and beat her. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like a write-up was, you know, an appropriate thing to do. We had a good talk and you know, and then she decided that it was time for her to leave. Yeah. And, you know, and that's okay. And she's very yeah. happy where she is. And we still talk. That's awesome. She's very happy where she is. And, you know, and so it is what it is. Yeah. I think that's what makes a great leader, a great leader. And I know I, I took so much of your time already. So I, I will try to wrap it up as quickly as possible. How is it playing Anna Smith and Oshia? What is that like? Oh, yeah. Oshia. Okay. So I play a mega nasty bitch <laughs> mega and so it's super fun so the was show that hard to is, do okay <laughs> you know I think it's easier to play a character that is nothing like you than a character that is like you because mm. people see like my bubbly personality and they yeah. want to cast me for those roles and it's so hard because I don't know how to act <laughs> because like so like I that t- that's actually harder for me than some of these like really crazy intense roles that I play um because I'm embodying that character so uh, it, it's it's interesting and uh, now it makes me think about actors and actresses and the roles that they play like someone who plays the bad guy I'm like they might actually be a really good person what does that say about the people who play like the good bad. people are they actually really yeah. bad um <laughs> but so the show is all about like the racial wars here in Houston so the main character, O'Shea, um, when he's like back in the early 90s, he's like 10 years old and his dad and he's he's a little black boy with his dad and he, uh, a white cop pulls them over. Nothing's wrong. There, you know, no violence or anything. And he shoots his dad and his dad dies. And now we flash forward to today and he's run, O'Shea is running for city councilman um, and then ended up becoming, um, and then he ends up running for mayor instead um and the governor of texas is that cop who killed his father oh man so that governor also runs the red state militia which is the, the basically the kkk mm. and so i am a lawyer i am i'm the governor's lawyer and i alongside with my husband run this red state militia with the governor and I'm ha- like, there's all sorts of twists and turns and like, I slap people Ooh. and I just manipulate everybody. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's fun. 
Mm-hmm. My first day on set, I got to slap somebody. And I was like, all right, I've never slapped a human being in my life. And now I get to slap somebody. Okay. <laughs> well, I got to ask, is that some sort of secret where, you know, they kind of like, you turn, no. you really did it? Oh, yeah. Oh, how did it feel? Yes. I, I felt terrible. <laughs> um, there's And there was another show I did. Um, it, there's a YouTube channel called Vid Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was getting cast for like this nasty, bitchy white woman role. <laughs> um, I'm being typecast for sure. And in one of them, I have to like spit on this girl. And it's oh, really geez. mean. Like she's, she's, an, she's an Indian woman. But I treat her like she's Hispanic. And I'm, and I'm just really brutal and mean and all this stuff. And like before I was like, I am so sorry. I think that you are amazing. And we like hugged. And then afterwards oh. I was like, can I hug you? please like I know it wasn't real but still like I know that you deal with that in real life and I yeah. can't even imagine and having to say like it just it's awful but yeah I keep getting apparently I play a bitch really well <laughs> is it hard remembering lines and, and kind of going through getting in character getting out of character and ba- keeping that balance um yes and no it's one of those things where and sometimes when you're in a scene things will play out differently than anybody on set writers or anybody kind of thought about it or wanted it to go. So it's not always where, and and everybody's different, you know, on, on this set, Eric Hunter, who's the writer, director, creator of O'Shea. Um, he's very much, if you're feeling it, let it go, like just, just mm. let it go. And that's yeah. okay. Um, Cause a lot of times, and not just with me, but you know, with the other actors and actresses on set, it ends up kind of coming out better because that's how it came out naturally for you, especially right. like as you're embodying that character. So it really kind of depends. I mean, it, it, it's kind of fun, you know, you mm-hmm. get to sit there and run lines with each other and you do become like this little family. It's really nice. So I know you're getting these bitchy roles, but if you had to select one awesome, your dream role, what would that be? What would that kind of movie be, TV show be about? Oh gosh, anything with Zach Braff. Yes, I created a hashtag. So I finished my first screenplay about a year and a half ago. And um, everything I, I, I stopped using the hashtag, but I used to do the hashtag all the time. And it was hashtag Zach Braff read my script. <laughs> um, I love his brain. I'm, I love music. Music is like my whole, most favorite thing in the whole entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have music on. Um, there's three characters in the in the movie. There's a female, a male, and music. Those are the mm-hmm. three characters. And so I love, like, Zach Braff just embodies anything and everything. I would do anything, Zach Braff, anything. Wow. I, I just, I love it. I really hope you're able to get on the movie with him. That would be awesome. Okay. Yes. And if you do write a movie, will you will you bring me on as a cast if you need a nice Asian boy to play? Get on character? there. Actually, you would fit perfectly the supporting, the lead male supporting role. Okay. That's a promise. Perfectly. That's a you promise. gotta be. You're gonna be. A, you're gonna be a douchebag, though. Okay, that's fine. I, I'm very good at that, so I'll just play myself. <laughs> so Maggie, I, I really can't thank you enough. I and and I want the listeners to know what kind of person she is. I, we literally just connected on LinkedIn, and she just came on, no nothing, pro bono, and she just shared amazing advice, her life. So Maggie, seriously, thank you very much. And if I can roll out a magic carpet, if I could, I would. Seriously, though, I really can't thank you enough. An amazing person, amazing human being. And how can the people find you and where? Oh, everywhere. So across all social media handles, it's the Judge Maggie, spelled just like a court judge, M-A-G-G-I-E. 
thejudgemaggie.com. You can come on to Metopolis, M-E-E-T-O-P-O-L-I-S.com. That's the dating app. Dreams aren't this good salsa. You can find me there. You can get the sweatshirt with my name. I'll actually be hosting that podcast too. That's what I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, everywhere. So super fun. LinkedIn, Facebook, all the TikToks, all the places. Yes, guys, I'm telling you, you want to follow Except Twitter. Up. I can't get on board with Twitter. Twitter is oh, Thank goodness. Me too. <laughs> I, I'm not a big Twitter guy. I, I think there's too much negativity on there. Yeah. And yeah. you can't limit my, my characters. Mm-hmm. I got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you should say noticed. yeah well i love it I, I literally hang on by every word seriously though well thank you yes um but that's it guys hope everyone reaches out to maggie seriously she's an incredible incredible woman and you will not be making a mistake if you follow her or on every platform oh thank you